Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. I'm Linda. I'm Charles. I'm Seth. I'm Jenna. And I'm Chris. And today we're going to be talking about the uh, the new, uh, I guess it's kind of a horror sci-fi series on Netflix called 1899. You um, said it right, and, Bill. Good job. Yes, I know. Oh. And uh, so for the rest of the show, if by chance I say 1889, I really mean 1899. It's just, you know, I'm, uh, I'm decade deficient today. So. <laughs> I had the same problem. Oh, no, I, it's it's they should have called it 1889 because it's just yes yeah, put it 10 years sooner and make it easier on me right yeah, exactly right right so um i think uh i think we'll jump to jenna to kind of uh lead us into the discussion here and kind of give us some history or some background on the story kind of give us an idea what it's about and fair uh warning there will there will be spoilers probably throughout yeah there'll be spoilers uh, abroad yeah. maybe um, a little swearing we'll, we'll get into it <laughs> <laughs> okay so thanks for nominating me bill as uh i'm still letting the caffeine kick in but the best way to put it uh to try and keep it short and sweet we start with this period piece where there are a bunch of immigrants uh on this steamship headed to america from europe and our our main heroine is Maura Franklin, the redhead, for those who are looking at the, the picture. Yeah. Uh, she's from England, and she is trying to figure out what happened to her brother, because she says she got a letter from her brother that stated, hey, I know what our father did to the Prometheus, which we keep seeing and we keep hearing the Prometheus was, a, was another ship that was lost four months ago, had it's over a thousand people on it. Company, right? What? Same it's company. Company's sister ship. Yep, the company yep. sister ship uh, that was yep. lost four months ago, and everyone aboard is presumed dead. Um, so she is trying to find her brother, hopefully in America, to see what what he found out about their father. And she and during this time, we keep getting flashes from her of maybe her having been in an asylum. Um, you know, just very disoriented images that you know may may indicate that she may be crazy. Right. Maybe not. Maybe she's a victim of something. So um, as we go along, the captain comes down uh, at dinner because we're starting to get these, you know, we see a, a couple supposedly brothers from Spain. Uh, we see a Japanese woman, supposedly Japanese woman, because we start to get identity changes as we learn about the mm -hmm. characters, talking to her mother. Uh, and then we have a Danish family, um, obviously religious, you know, kind of got the mind of maybe an Amish type family, but hmm. whatever they're called from Denmark. Um, and and then there's German crew members and English crew members and, uh, you know, just everywhere. It was great. So <laughs> the captain comes down and tells everyone, hey, we got a signal from our sister ship 
because we use a certain type of communication that not other ships have, and it's only so, extra long range. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We're going to be More the only ones who hear it. We need to investigate. And as yeah. they go and they find the ship, the captain uh, Mora, because uh, Mora is a doctor, he wants to take her and uh, the one of the Spanish guys who is impersonating a priest because just in case you know <laughs> there's yeah. dead souls or people on there they may want to see a priest which would be very comforting <laughs> and another crew member go aboard the ship it's disrepair there's no bodies there's nothing very creepy and then they end up hearing a pounding on a cabinet in the same dining hall that we had seen in a previous scene and um when they open it up there's a little boy inside like someone had locked a little boy inside this cabinet. Pretty Creepy, creepy. mute, not talking little boy. So they take him back aboard the ship because they're like, what happened? We don't know. He's holding a little pyramid. Um, and then so when they make it back to holding ship. Holding a little pyramid? Sorry huh? to interrupt, but could they may have made the boy creepier? <laughs> right. Uh, yes, because yes, he gets creepier. Yes, <laughs> he does get creepier. I'm sorry. Quick poll for Quick poll for the podcast right here, but you find that kid that we see right there on the screen abandoned on an empty ship in the middle of the ocean holding a pyramid. Yeah. Do you bring him back with you or do you just go? <laughs> but it's a child. If you look really close, he has cat eyes. Yeah, that's what I was seeing. Well, it's technically not even cat eyes. It's like an upside down similar to the, the, the pyramid. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, you're right. a lot of uh, eyes. actually <laughs> worse. So, but here's we'll the thing. Jen, like, we'll let Jenna finish up the so the, the The key is, like, as these people are on the ship, we see some mysterious stranger climb up uh, where they can, like, release a buoy. You know, sorry, mm. what is it? The, the little um, rowboats? The robots yeah. that they had gone yeah. to the Prometheus on, he had uh, some the some stranger who were is assuming came from the Prometheus um, has gotten onto the ship and found an empty room, and he holds a little device that seems to tell him things that looks way more futuristic. Yeah, it so, looks like a beetle. Yes, I think and, it, in my mind I'm envisioning the thing Seth brought to the party last night. <laughs> I don't want to know. We'll, we'll I don't jump know. to that later. I do have yeah. So. Yeah, so they bring this this kid back aboard the their ship. The their ship is called the Kerberos, which instantly I was like sus because Kerberos sounds too close to the name of Cerberus, which was the the, the guard dog of Hades and right. hell in Greek mythology. Three headed guard dog. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah so um, they bring him back aboard. This guy's on board, and the next thing they know. Um, when they try and tell the company, hey, we found the ship, they're getting told the, the crew to sink the ship. So we can get into more of the details of how the rest of the show lays out, but basically we're set up with all of these interesting variables and characters that all, all of these immigrants and characters that we're getting introduced to in their own ways, including the captain, seem to have something they're running from or a bad past. Like the captain, his wife set all three of their daughters on fire in their house. Oh my god. As you would, as you do. <laughs> I mean, puberty's a bitch. <laughs> so, um, and you know, the two brothers, it starts to become quite obvious that they're not brothers, they're gay lovers fleeing and that they mm. did something horrible. 
So, it, and and the the mother and the Japanese who is well, we find out it's her mother, but she's supposed to be a Japanese servant serving this geisha, but she's not really a geisha. Mm-hmm. Um, she's Chinese, and it, you know we find out that she was basically sold to another person on the ship to work her brothel. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's very interesting, and probably what the 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 key part in all of this is you're not sure who to trust. You don't know if they're crazy. You don't know if they're the ship. And if you watch this show, you have to watch it English original because it defaults on Netflix to English dubbed, which dubs over like those who speak like English who hear the English, but they dub everyone else who speaks foreign languages. And yeah. this this TV show did a very um, impressive thing where actually if you watch it in English original, you hear English. Then you hear German, you hear Danish. They probably have at least six different languages in the show that they subtitle. So you are actually in a very real situation where if you have a group of immigrants from all of these different places and they're in a crisis, how would they try to communicate? How could they? The native language, sure. Yeah. Yeah, and, really I, and, fascinating. I, and, and to that point, I would say um, that's initial, that's what stopped me from watching the series mm-hmm. um, yeah, not too. because of the the different languages but because i was watching it just in english right? the default so, yeah. yeah yeah the default in english so i was watching it and i'd see you know the characters talking um in english and their lips were matching and then it would go to another scene and Maybe. they were talking english but the lips didn't match and then it would go to another scene and the lips matched again and then it would go to another scene in the lips. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, what kind of a chintzy ass production is this that they couldn't get the <laughs> lip sync right? Scene? I'm like, I know it's not my TV because my TV doesn't go in sync and out of sync. Like, <laughs> Did you change it, though? Did you change no, it? I haven't gone back to change it. I got your, <gasps> I got your so message about it, but yeah. I haven't gone back to watch it. But uh, we got probably halfway through it. And I told Linda, I'm like, I'm done. I've lost any faith yeah. that this is a quality production. I cannot watch it anymore. He, he like freaked and, out. <laughs> but so, now that you mentioned watching it in original English, yeah, where there'll be subtitled when they're speaking foreign languages, that would be preferable. So I'm clearly the monster here because I watched the whole damn thing in English stuff. You didn't change it after I told you? No, because I'd already watched like 70% no. of it that way. Ah, it didn't so, I, well, here's the thing, Jenna. If if it if it helps, I went back and watched one of the episodes to in the English original, mm-hmm. and and saw what you're talking about in terms of the diversity of the languages and everything like that. That is the better version. Um, for for me though, I had already watched so much of it, and I've watched enough dub stuff that it never really bothered me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I get it. it, and so and I knew they were speaking different languages. I just had been mm-hmm. used to it. So I just finished it that way because that was my experience. I'm happy to go back and watch it in English original from the beginning. It's just I had already watched it that way. So for me, as I was trying to follow the plot and, and everything was going on, if I had switched it after going like 70, 80% of the way through, that would have been more disruptive for me as opposed to just getting through the rest of it. But I mean, to your point, I mean, yeah, it, it should have defaulted to English original. And whoever made that decision, I think, destroyed a little bit of some of the 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 plot and the story there and, and what was really going on with the ship how they were communicating with each other as you said i, I do think that was a fuck up on netflix's part mm-hmm. they should have never done that yeah 
like a perfect example because we we finally watched the last episode like it should have been and we were like god damn it we should have watched the whole thing yeah. like this yeah. um there's uh the the chinese girl uh two women who are from england and then mm-hmm. two people who speak french and the woman in england you know mora is trying to tell them what's going on and the the one the other woman from England is the one who bought Chinese girl, so she's English, but she can speak Chinese. So she's having to tell the other girl, and you know, and the Chinese girl's like, "Nope, I'm out. Um, I'm not following you anymore because you knew obviously something was going on with the ship. So mm-hmm. we are not. I'm I'm not trusting you." And then you see the the French guy because obviously the black guy he can only speak French. Um, so he turned to the other French girl that he is standing there is like, "What are they saying?" <laughs> So like there, there tr- obviously there are people who are bilingual who can help, and then there are people who are not, and it's it's just so interesting. I've never seen it in a movie that complexity. <clears throat> Maybe like English and another language mm-hmm. trying to communicate or work out yeah, a situation, but never. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would have that would have been a tough thing to film, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So the people who filmed this originally are the people who made Dark which uh, if you ever get the chance, that's pretty fascinating. Aaron watched it and I caught some of it, but basically it's a time uh, sci-fi TV show from Germany. So um, even the directors themselves, you know, they speak English, they speak German. They're used to very complicated um, storylines, which was very interesting. But when you watch the making of 1899, which is an option for, uh, the show after you get to the end mm-hmm. they talk about how they were trying to direct people but like they don't speak chinese so when they would watch the the chinese mother and, and daughter talk sit like have dialogue he would double check okay does that is that a sarcastic way of saying it how would you say just eat it oh yeah mm. Mm. or did you say just yeah, eat hard. it in a dismissive way so they would have to yeah. check tone and then they would have staff who understood english or German and that other language, who would also help check as mm. they were speaking those things. That'd be fun to watch the making, and we'll have to definitely do that. What's great about the making it too is that they talk about the technology they use to do this film, which is the volume. They yep. use this thing called the volume, which is ginormous LED screens yeah, um, instead like of a green do, screen uh, for the Mandalorian or uh, the new Star yeah. Trek series. Yeah, yeah, and uh, there was. Uh, I think there was an article uh, about that where it talked about those spaces um, becoming more and more um, predominant in the filming of, of major series and, and movies and uh, wondering if that might be the death of practical effects because now everything can be done digitally. And it's, it's really cool. I, I would think that um, as an actor, it would be cool to be in that space. And it would certainly inform and assist you in your acting because you're surrounded in this environment. But I also think it would be a little bit disconcerting because the way it's designed is that it's designed so that as the camera pans around the scenery changes so that it it provides that depth of perspective to the perspective of the camera, not to the perspective of the actor standing in the space. So I would almost think it would be a little bit disconcerting to be looking at the screen and seeing that image change and that your perspective would be off because you are not the camera. Uh, 
so I don't know, they didn't really get to that level, but it really seemed like it could be a static scene that did not mm. depend on the camera so that the camera could move and see right. different aspects of the screen. But then you're, you're right, you probably could change it that way. Yeah. What was, you know, the, the cast talking about how the first day on it, when they were supposed to be on the ship, and they're surrounded in this 360 by ocean, some of them got seasick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah. Bad. And then, um, but I don't think, like, I think films will still film <laughs> on location because it's cheaper yeah. in many cases, but you could really see how they still had to do practical effects. Like, they had pieces of ground when they were outside because the crazy part of the ship is that it it becomes very obvious it's either the ship is fake or um that you know maybe it's a hologram it the whole thing you don't know because they'll go through these ports and these tunnels in the ship and end up um in like some landscape either a pyramid or uh, an ice place something so in that case, what you see is they were moving like pieces of that ground around into different um, <laughs> into different shapes, so you could get a different angle with the camera. But it was still built that way. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. We should we should dive into some of the mind bending that that occurred in in 1899. So, um, as Jenna mentioned, there was. Uh, as these mysteries start to unravel on the ship and, and they, they anchor up to the Prometheus and at some point they decide they're gonna tow it back uh, home. They're not. They're no longer gonna, I believe they were gonna go back to Europe and they weren't gonna continue going to the United States, which continues to upset uh, the rest of the Because the company which, told them to sink the ship. Yeah, the company told them to sink the ship, but the captain, nothing made sense. He wanted answers, nothing really smelled right. So he was like, no, we should bring the ship uh, back. We need to figure out what happened or whatever. Um, and we're going to go back to Europe because it's the closest opposed to continuing on to the States. And, and as, you know, they embark on this journey, all the weird things start to happen. Um, you start to un- uncover weird passages through the, through the ship that Jenna was talking about. And, and uh, for whatever reason, it was always located like under a bed. There'd be like a hatch in the ground, open up the hatch, go into it. And at first uh, it went into a little, like, um, just a box with like black, like gloss black tiles everywhere, uh, but mm. you couldn't go anywhere. It was just a weird hole in under underneath your your cabin uh, apartment area. Um, eventually, we find out that they open up if you have the special key or some special thing with you. That they open up and then you crawl through it and then you kind of pop out of uh, you know literally what seems like the volume, which which Jen was talking about how they filmed mm. it. It's like you're walking out of a screen and it's all fake area around you but you can still kind of navigate and walk through it. You can walk to a house that you could see or a pyramid or whatever. And it was very weird. And it, and it ended up being a little bit of, you know, matrix meets maybe a little bit of inception uh, meets a little bit of, uh, you know, any, any kind of popular movie or series that had um, things where you weren't really sure whether you were dreaming or not. Mm. And whenever, Whenever anyone ends up getting knocked out or whatever, they just wake back up in their bed like it, they were reset, if you will. Oh, um, and uh, so that was very, very interesting. And I think as as the plot starts to unfold, it gets really um, weird, uh, a little bit confusing, but you kind of have to push through, especially as you get up to like episode four or five. They tend to end some of the episodes on like, what the hell just happened kind of moments. Hmm. Um, and uh, as you as you get closer to the end, 
they start revealing, you know, that there's, um, you know, a creator. There's a guy sitting in front of a screen, kind of like the Matrix, where you had that one guy that had all the screens in the room when Neo finally meets him. And he's kind of observing everything. He's kind of controlling everything. And then it kind of unravels into this, we're all in a simulation. Hmm. Um, and, and that's why I say it's kind of like Matrix, Matrixy in that, in that point. And what was kind of cool was... Uh, you start to wonder what's real, what's not real. You know, Mara must be real, but is she really real? And and you're trying to break out of this mental cycle. And there's a scene in there later on, last couple episodes or so, where Mara's explaining how the brain works. And you have all these neurons that connect to different parts. And as they're navigating the ship, that's how she explains what they're doing. They're kind of navigating the mind. And so no. then it becomes about Mara and breaking her mind free and she, she comes to understand that I'm the one trapped in the simulation. Nothing around you is real. We must, you know, you must free your mind uh, to get out of this. And, and we'll cool. get to the ending here soon. But that's kind of what it starts to lead up to. But you can see where it gets kind of confusing. Can you imagine trying to navigate your own mind? We right. go to these different corridors. And, and it ultimately not ends up being a part of just Mara either. There's a few key um crew members as as jenna mentioned um uh, you know they all are part of this to some extent and uh um yeah i don't know if you want to add any more jenna from what you saw as well but that was kind of mind-bending so and and it's not obviously the it becomes apparent these passages don't just lead to pieces of mara's mind they lead to pieces of the other uh, other passengers' minds that are still alive because this really creepy situation happens where a bunch of the crew members start committing oh, suicide yes. and jumping off the, the, the ship. Yes. Oh my God. And, and it was really hard to watch. <laughs> in a uh, way. So, on, yeah, on that scene, uh, so what happened? This is when you really start to get weirdness. They're all, they're all, I forget exactly what was happening, but then these bells started ringing or some kind of audible alarm. And it became clear that like, you know, 90% of the crew heard it and just turned into these walking zombies, run up to the top of the ship and just walk the F off of it. Oh my God. Right into the ocean. Uh, just waves yep. walking off. Oh, and and it's really horrifying because even though they only show adults, you know there's children in there. You yep. know there's yeah. people with baby. Oh, you for a fact, you know, because there was one scene with a woman with a baby and you know she jumped off the ship with that yep. baby. Oh my God! And um, dark, very dark. It is dark, uh, mm -hmm. but the creators are German, so <laughs> they're not afraid yeah. of killing people. <laughs> right? Yeah, it, you know, Bill. I think you classified as sci-fi horror. There's not, there's not a lot of real horror in this, okay. but it is dark and there are shocking right. moments. But it's not like jump at you. It's not intended to scare you. Ah. Uh, but it is mind-bending. It is really dark, like, and like and people who you think might not die die in this series. So. Yeah. Huh. Oh, it's game. Of I awesome. like that. I like it when you <laughs> when you don't know for sure that a character is right. safe. And that's uh, when I say like the 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 creators are German, not because they are not afraid to put people in a real situation and kill the yeah. people, the characters you yeah. like or characters yeah. that you think would be mean. They're not afraid to do that. And I don't think you see that as much in American cinema. No. It's growing, mm -hmm. but it's not. You tend to say people. Yeah. In American cinema, yeah, right. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, so it's, and again, I just it was very ambitious that they did what they did, and that they end because I, I I think you can classify it as horror because 
the way they describe it in the making of 1899, it starts as a period piece and it turns a little bit into horror because when they find the Prometheus, obviously something terrible has happened and something is going on. So when they end up back on the, the Kerberos and things are going wrong, you're like, well, was it a, a ghost? Was the ship cursed? Is this little boy the Antichrist? Right. Which at one point, yeah. the, the Danish religious group gets all the, the rest of the ship riled up the passengers who are obviously in lower class to uh, kill the boy. Mm. They want to kill the boy because they think he's the antichrist or mm -hmm. he's the, a demon or something. Boy. And, and, you know, <laughs> so that's where that horror is it, like, okay, is this a supernatural thing? And then you start seeing the machinery around the ship and that the guy who got back aboard the Kerberos who has this little thing that he, he uses a bug to somehow unlock rooms, but at the same time, he's got a dial that he's changing some functionality of the ship. You're like, oh, wait, this is suddenly sci-fi. Because at one point, yep. he is able to make the Kerberos disappear completely away from mm. the Prometheus. You're like, what is going on? <clears throat> yeah. So it's a roller coaster. It's definitely a roller coaster of different interesting characters, themes. What am I watching? Is any of this real? Um, so, but it's still very good the way they put it together, and I highly recommend the series. Yeah, I'm going to watch it now. <laughs> yeah, they did a good job of implanting um, things that didn't make sense that would that would exist in 1899. So, like the the gentleman that that uh, Jenna mentioned earlier on that that crawls up from the boat after they first find the Prometheus, and and then assumes the role of as another one of the crew uh, members of the uh, one of the passengers. Uh, he has a flashlight, right? Mm. And and everyone else is a lantern. So there's a scene at one point where he's using a flashlight, and people are like, "What the f is that?" You know, uh, because <laughs> sure. it, it shouldn't exist in this in this time. Mm. And you know, what is that? Uh, so they have mixes of, of technology in there that it is clear as it's not from this time. And that's where you start. It's where you got to wrap your head around like, what what time, what period is it actually? You know, what year is it? Right. Um, and the, yeah. And and they really like slide it in. Like they they almost like this bait and switch because when you start to see the creator watching the crew members like oh this is a uh uh some type of experiment and mm -hmm. the furniture around him looks like it's from the 70s yeah oh, cool. and you're like oh so huh this this is crazy maybe this is like america ultra or something like that where um you know all the lsd test studies or whatever and these people are <laughs> these poor people are just tripping um and then you find out by the end, no, it's not even the 70s. It's even farther yeah. in the future. Yeah. Can we, can we get into the ending? Is that is that yeah. too far? Yeah. We, okay. Oh, so um, as we as a you know we we've talked about already, this is a simulation, um, and ultimately it's about Mara having to wake up. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, she ultimately does. We won't get into the details of what unraveled and how this happened, but Mara wakes up and you see her here. And you can see kind of behind her these these little chambers with people kind of locked inside. She has been in the simulation. And the year is, in fact, 2099, not 1899. Oh, wow. And oh. the brother that she was searching for in the beginning ends up being the one who kind of took over the computers uh, of the simulation in an attempt to get her out, I guess. And um, uh, ultimately, she's in a uh, she is on a ship called the Prometheus, except it's a spaceship. Oh. And they are all in a um, what do you call it? Like suspended animation, and traveling somewhere. Okay. okay. Um, and on the screen pops up a message, you know, "Hello, 
sis or whatever. Yeah. Um, welcome back you know. to reality, sis. Yeah, welcome back to reality, sis. And in the room around here are, are the are some of the key uh, crew members and uh, uh, some of the key crew members and uh, passengers uh, also in suspended animation. Some of the key ones I told you about, not the ones that you know ended up walking off the boat. <clears throat> excuse me, but some of the other key members. And and there's multiple pods, so as it zooms out in the ship, it's a pretty big. I mean, it was gigantic. But she's in one kind of pod with. Uh, you know, let's call it a dozen people in it, and there's other ones around as well attached to this ship. So we don't we don't really get any further details in that. That's how it ends, and and so it's kind of left up to us to really kind of understand. You know, there are these passengers on this journey uh, yeah. in a suspended animation. I don't know if they were, it was intended they be in some kind of dreamlike state, or the you know oh, suspension weird. was to help you from going, or the simulation was to help people from going mad, or what? So but yeah. So is this designed as a standalone <clears throat> series? Then there won't be not, a season two, or no? Is is it not, Jenna? No, like, um, they intend to have another season. Okay. I don't think it's been confirmed by Netflix yet. But when you watch the making of, um, mm. they talk about how they have plans mm. for their characters oh, in season two. Um, but okay. it's so. And what was interesting is that the number of passengers and the number of crew because that the, some of the sticks of the ship start popping up um, for Mora now that she's woken up, is the same amount of passengers and the same amount of crew that was in the simulation. Yeah. That was supposedly yeah. on the Kerberos. Hmm. Yeah, Makes it was sense. like 1,400-something passengers, 550 crew members or something of that nature or whatever. So it was a lot of people. So, so let me ask you guys this question. If that had happened to you and you then woke up, would you then think, well, wait a minute, am I really in reality, or is this well, just well, part of the inception part? Like, do yeah. I, am I, did I really wake up, or, or did oh, I yeah. not? Because but, I've been through so much already. And and here's the thing: I think we can. We don't know. Mm -hmm. For all we know, in this scene, because Mora has no one to talk to, she is eighteen ninety nine Mora, because she has no memories. Like. The, this mm -hmm. mysterious passenger that boarded the Kerberos from the Prometheus ended up being her husband. Mm -hmm. And he knows what everything is. Um, and the creator knows what everything is. And some of the passengers knew that they were in a simulation. And they, but, and it seems like her husband knew that they were in the future, that this is just a, peri a period piece of a simulation. But if Mora still does not remember after waking know, up, yes. yeah. we don't know. She is, she is literally a woman from 1899 thrust mm -hmm. into some some realm that she has no framework to understand. All right, so prediction. The second season will be entitled 2099. Oh, maybe. Oh. It, it, would, it would make sense. It would work, I think. I, I don't know. Which then yeah. leads to the logical thing. Season three could be 3099, and maybe it is a simulation. It keeps jumping forward. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, man. Wouldn't, that, I, be, I hope wouldn't not. that be a mind bender? I, I hope not. I, I, I think they could keep it as 1899, and yeah. it just goes from that journey. And, and who knows? It could be a lot like, uh, um, uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, I just blanked on it. The more popular one where everyone was in this, they go to this place and they, they go back into like the cowboy era. Um, oh, 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 oh my God. Yule Brenner was in the original. It's all Westworld. 
Westworld, yeah. It, 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 could be, it could start to play out something like Westworld where you keep going back mm-hmm. to this 1899, uh, maybe for other characters or other events or other types of simulations, potentially. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. All right. It would be cool to see a shift into a space type thing. It would. All right. All right. It's cool. Sounds good. Well, uh, so you guys give it two thumbs up. Yes. Two thumbs up for the English original. Yes, English original. <laughs> thumb up if you don't mind and you're just a monster like I am for the English dub. Uh, you know, fair warning. So right. for a second, and, I thought Chris was going to try and start a fight with English dub. Come fight me. <laughs> the thing is, he knows I would come fight him. There's video of this happening in college, and it didn't end well for for Chris. No, so generally, we're going to let it go. Yeah, I, I definitely say watch it. And then if you like it or you're intrigued, check out Dark, which is the previous yes. series the creators had done. All right. to do. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you all for tuning in. And uh, we hope you'll uh, get out there and check out the show. And uh, if you do, let us know what you think. And let us know in the comments as well if you prefer the English original or English ah. dubbed version. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll battle it out in the comments. So... <laughs> All right, we'll look forward to hearing from you. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Later. Bye. Oh, Bye. Of, course, of course, I'm not ready. <laughs> oh, for uh, God's sake. Hold on. Hold on. Stay with us. <laughs> all right, here we go. Bill will get it in 2099. Right. <laughs> all right. Bye again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now, please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well.